Does your broker tell you they're managing your retirement money on a daily basis? Really? So when they're on vacation, how does that work? Do they have computers doing their job for them? Is that reliable money management? Is it time you learned how to have reliable retirement income, keeping your principal, and protect your gains with a higher income strategy? That's why to tune in to the Total Financial Hour with host Eric Hallaby, Sundays at 11 a.m. Learn about your financial power on the Total Financial Hour, Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM870, The Answer. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halavi, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, total financial hour. Hey, welcome to the show. Good morning. My name is Eric Palaby, the Total Financial Solutions Hour. Hey, TFS Financial Insurance Services and me, Eric Palaby, bring this to you. Hey, every week at this time, look, part of, part of your family's life uh, is that it evolves, right? Uh, when we're going through this, especially now that we're coming up to the holidays, as this evolve, uh, this evolving time is taking place, I want to give you some choices and some options. Because here's what I'm finding. For a lot of us, as seniors are coming into our practice, now, let me, you know, let me back up a little bit. I've been in the financial business for 23 years as a professional, 10 years prior just as an investor. So, for quite a long time, it seems like I'm old now, 33 years, uh, part of my life has been about money and managing it and, and planning for it. It's just been a thing for me, of course. But as we get older, so do our clients. And as we're in business longer, our clients age. And so the problems that our firm has been encountering, let's say, over the last 15 years is trying to solve problems that are a little bit deeper than one plus one being two. And and I don't mean that we're necessarily a professional in this area, but I think you're going to need to know that as people evolve, so do their problems, so do their issues, so do their things that we need to solve. And it's about housing. We get a lot of people coming in and asking us our opinion. What should I do? Should I sell my house or keep my house? Now we say, look, First of all, that's much, much more of a personal decision than something that's quantitative where I can measure it with a calculator. It's really built around you deciding whether or not it's right for you. And just because it was right for you 30 years ago when you raised family or 10 years ago when you had both uh, you and your spouse were alive, and maybe today you don't. So as the, the situations change, as we age, as things are happening, I want you to know that it's okay to make some changes because I think part of what we need to do is to have a problem-solving conversation with the loved ones in your life. You know, recently a friend of mine's father passed away, and when he passed away, uh, she was, of course, distraught, but for the last 11 years, she cared for him. Now, 11 years ago, he was very active. It wasn't a big deal. Very involved, very helpful. I'd say the last 
two years or 18 months, it's been a different story. Now, there are some of you that are taking care of your parent. Where they live with you, they live down the street, you're there every day, every week. And there are others of you, for whatever reason, I'm not going to judge, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you when I'm going to judge, it'll be in a minute. But for some of you, look, they live across the world. Or you chose to move to another state, and somebody else, your sibling, is caring for your parent. Now, if that's the case, guys, you better be writing checks. I mean, you understand that? You don't have another human being in your family living with you. Have some, I don't know, as my mom would say, have some decency, right? I think you need to be careful. Oh, I get it. She called you a bad name. I get it. Your, your sibling was mad at you for something. And oh, your brother, he's a greedy son of a gun. That's why he has mom living with him. Uh, may, okay, maybe, but you still better be writing checks. You better be caring for them. Because it, it disrupts, uh, not in a negative way always, but it does disrupt. It does overend a family. Right? You know you're close to somebody when you go over there to visit or you can come early or come late to their home and they're in their pajamas and their hair's a mess. <laughs> you know, hey, we've crossed the line. We are a bit more intimate now. <laughs> well, now imagine you have somebody living in your home all the time. Very little privacy. Your privacy goes from your five acres to your front lawn to your the inside of your walls, and now it's to your bedroom usually or an office, and you get to close the door, and that's it. You work your tail off for a decade so that... So I want you to understand something. One of the housing choices that we're going to get into today, the housing options for seniors, is to live with a family member. And... It can be a very joyous occasion, especially if there's children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren involved, and you get somebody coming in, and they get to sit down with great-grandma and have a conversation. They, get, they have an opportunity to hear about the good old days or to find out about their great-grandpa that maybe they never met. You get a chance to see your mom or, great, or, or, or your grandmother act in a way that is a little different. I remember when my... When my kids, my son, oldest boy, was the first grandchild on my side of the family. And we go, you know, drop him off. I don't know, he's two years old or something. Go to the movies. And I remember thinking, who are these people? You're way nicer than you were when I was growing up. You're giving them cookies. You're, you're playing with them. Man, you were so strict with me. And suddenly, I, I don't know where you are, who, who you are. Where are my mom and dad? Where do they go? And, and who messed with them? Right? Because you guys, I, I, I'm not a grandparent yet, so I don't know that feeling. But let me tell you, for those of you that are grandparents out there, I hear that it's the best thing. Uh, some, what some say, I, I would prefer to skip, skip children and go straight to grandchildren. Right? I've heard that many times. So there is a blessing that happens when they come into your life. There's a blessing that happens when they get to live with you. But please don't forget, it is also a chore. As much as you love them, and if they have financially not prepared 
for whatever reason, circumstance or whatever, to, to be able to financially care for themselves, you might be the only hope that they have from being into a homeless shelter, right? Or government housing of some sort. So I understand it stinks, but, you know, have some love and compassion. And I know you do because you care for them. It's more the ones that are not caring for their parent, but somebody out there, they're watching your mom and dad. It's usually your sister or your brother. And if they are, and you don't have that that extra burden, right, whatever you want to call it, the extra care, then you better be writing checks. You better be showing some appreciation, right? Maybe writing checks and once a year pay their house payment. Maybe twice a year pay their house payment. I don't know. Think of something to relieve the pressure of, of that family, even if they are wealthy. Oh, my brother's a millionaire. It doesn't matter to him. It, you're not doing it because he's not going to eat dinner if it weren't for your benevolence. You're doing it because it makes you a better person. Because it is still your mom and dad just as much as it is his or her mom and dad, right? So please do that. You're doing it for you. You're not doing it for them because they need the money or they're greedy or whatever. Forget those stories. You're doing it because of you. It's the same reason we give, right? We give for our, to make the world better. But we also give because of what it does to us. It reminds us. It humbles us. So please don't forget that. Okay, hey, here's another option. Listen, as seniors are going through their life, they have other choices. I'm going to get into four other choices. i got a total of five today for you. But 888-99-RETIRE, 888-99-RETIRE. One of the things that fuels all of these housing options, believe it or not, is guaranteed reliable retirement income. That's what we do. Our job is to give you a steady stream of income. Various companies, it's not going to come from us. We help broker, we help put it together, we help design a higher income strategy for you so that no matter what happens, stock market up, stock market down, it means nothing. Whether the real estate market is up, real estate market's down, I don't, it it doesn't matter to us. 888-99-RETIRE, that's 888-997-3847. Okay, so here's another one. For a lot of people, depending on when you retire and what your age is. And remember, we morph a little bit, right? We start with one, we're a bit more active, we start moving into different phases. But for many people, their goal is to stay in their home and pay it off and live there as long as humanly possible. Now, what are the pros to that? You know everything. You know where the leaky faucet is. You know what the problem is over here. You know what the good stuff uh, you know, in the neighborhood is. You know where the problems are in the neighborhood. You know where your doctors and the dentists and you know how to get to church from there with your eyes closed. You can do whatever you need to do because you've lived there for 30 or 40 or 50 years. So super simple, easy to do. You're that person. So that's not an issue. The issue comes into play when you say, look, my property taxes are lower. My expenses are lower. But when I bought this house years ago, I didn't expect to to age here. So maybe you purchased a two-story home because you needed all the bedrooms upstairs for the kids. Now, as the stairs begin to be a problem, it's difficult to get up and down, isn't it? So part of that solution that I want you to consider is this. You are going through this phase of life. Consider 
and, and every layout of the house is different, consider an elevator. Now, before you go, well, I want that chair rail that runs along the outside, that god-awful thing for some of you. It's not a very attractive thing, especially if you have a smaller, you know, a narrower staircase. However, in some cases, an elevator fits perfectly. So just go online to your search engine, go on Bing and say, hey, what is a search, uh, what is an elevator for a home, residential home elevators? You can have a residential home elevator that is extremely easy to use and not very expensive either. Probably much less than the 3% or 6% commission you would spend in getting a new house, right, when you sell your home. So think twice about it. Sometimes people get emotionally down a road of decision-making where they say, well, we're going to sell our house because we don't like a two-story. We want a one-story. And then somebody comes with a solution and says, hey, but did you know you could put an elevator in that closet and the elevator is you know, $11,000? You're selling your $900,000 house, so nine times six is $54,000 in real estate commissions. So you can have an amazing elevator. You can put a ramp in the backyard that gets to an amazing deck. You can have a wonderful staircase in the front that's very gradual, maybe four-inch steps. All for less than 54000 and yet you know the neighborhood, your property taxes stay the same, and you never have to worry about it. No, 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 we want to sell. Okay. Because sometimes the emotional decision overrides the logical decision. Right? You guys know what I'm talking about. All right, so that's number one. Uh, that's number two, I should say, but it's the most common Staying in and paying off the house. All right, here's a, here's another one because this could make all the difference to your financial life. And you, we've heard it. You've heard us talk about it over and over again. People move, they sell their home, whether they owe very little or nothing at all, because their daughter lives in Seattle, their son lives in Denver, their grandchildren go to school in Dallas. By the time you're done, you say, "Listen, what's here anymore?" A lot of my friends have moved or passed away. So there isn't really much of a choice as far as staying here because you're going to be traveling anyway to visit friends and family. So people will sell their home, move, and pay off the brand new house. Because in Scottsdale or Prescott Valley, Arizona, or in Boise, Idaho, or Plano, Texas, and on and on, you could walk in with $400,000 cash and buy almost anything that you want that would fit your needs and still have three or four or 500000 left over for what? To create reliable retirement income. We do that pretty regularly. We're doing that with a couple right now. So when you do that, when you have that process taking place, what's the benefit? Well, zero uh, house payment. Well, you might have had a zero house payment where you were, but what's the other change? It's this. Everything is brand new. Usually either has a warranty, but it is brand new. That means you do not have an issue of things breaking down, the roof needing to be repaired. If it's the house that you've been in for 35 years, you know there's a list of things that are either due or coming up soon. So in a brand new house, especially if it's a new built, or if it's one that you receive a, a warranty on, man, 
you have the ability to to wait another ten years before you need to to put in new new uh, appliances or air conditioning, etc. What's the drawback? Yeah, your property taxes just might be a little higher than you thought. So you have to budget, especially if you're going to a very high property tax county. Okay, so here's the secret, right? You understand that in Texas, the legislature is not in business 12 months out of the year like they are in California, right? The legislature in Texas, I think it's three months. You have to go be a a, a a barber or loan broker or, you know, you have to have another job. It's really run pretty heavy at the local level where there's accountability, by the way, where you have fewer problems every day because you see the person who made that rule at the grocery store, right? How many of you see your state representative or your congressman a woman? Never. They don't care, right? Adam Schiff, if if he ever uh, goes to where the little people are, I'd be surprised. He couldn't care less about the common person. It's his, him and his power struggle. So you can't confront him and say, hey, buddy, this stinks. But why is this a big deal? Because a lot of people are doing it. When you move out of the state, your taxes will most likely decline substantially. I was just with some friends last weekend, and here's what they said. They said, Arif, uh, they live out of the state. They said, our gasoline is $2.17 a gallon. I said, you're kidding me. And there were three other people from different states. It was kind of a, a little group gathering. And everybody was under $2.40 a gallon. So if you are a driver, car insurance, car registration, health insurance, everything that you and I touch every single day, all of those things, you could save a lot of money by moving outside of the state. The state has chosen to chase away people that are creating businesses. And along with that goes the tax base. But... You might end up paying more in property tax because they're making some changes in a lot of com- a lot of states and counties because that's how they pay their bills. All right, so that's one of them. What about this? A lot of people are refining. You know what they're doing? Just before you retire, we see this a lot. They'll have refinanced their home to the point where the payment. Well, let's say, I'll give you an example. They bought the house for $350,000 15 years ago. They owe one hundred and ten. Now, you may not have enough money to pay down the house and live the way you want. So what they do is they refinance the house so the payment is $400 a month or whatever. Yeah, they're going to have that $400 a month for the next 30 years. But it's better than better than getting rid of 110000 to pay the house down to zero. So in other words, they're controlling the payment by minimizing the, the payment and lengthening the time to pay it off. You're going to stay there anyway. Now, when do we say, to, when, do, when do folks normally do this? When you say, listen, I just don't have enough money to live. I, I can live comfortably. I have three hundred and fifty or six hundred and fifty thousand dollars. It's enough for me to be okay. I just don't want to take out one hundred or two hundred thousand to pay down my mortgage. I would feel better without a house payment, but I think I need the cash more than I need zero house payment. 
So a lot of people are doing that because their pension and their Social Security is enough to make that $400 house payment. So if that's the case, if you say, no, 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 I've got enough to pay these, these bills each month. I just don't want to give, you know, big dollars, big dollars against that house because it, it takes my liquidity and moves it away. So refinancing to a 30-year mortgage, but doing it while you are, uh, while you are still working allows you to qualify for the loan. Now, if you've already retired, then check with your, your loan broker. Your mortgage broker might say, oh man, you have so much equity. We can do this. Okay. So your loan broker is a key person. Now, I always recommend checking with your tax preparer, your CPA, because in this conversation and in this process, you're going to need to have kind of some professional advice. I don't want you making big decisions that are going to hit you tax-wise. Nothing that I've gone over so far uh, would be necessarily a huge tax. But, you know, maybe if you sell your house and you move out of state, you could have some tax consequences, substantial tax consequences. So you need to check. Say, what does that do for me? What are the problems? What are the good things? Many people are selling off their rental property to pay off your primary mortgage. And in that period of time, you might say, okay, it did its job. I earned some income from that property. Now it's time to pay off my house. That's its job. We'd say, okay, well, if that's the case, then build a plan where you are not worried about what to do next. Build a plan where you say, yes, I'm going to pay some taxes on it, but I don't want to go backwards if the market goes backwards in the housing market. So I'm going to liquidate it, sell it, take my profits, and pay down my primary mortgage. And as we're seeing that happen, you guys have to know this. I would recommend... Look, if you can, if this is the time, try to go out and purchase new uh, or newer appliances. Try to go out and purchase and update an, uh, your heating and air conditioner. These are things that make it much easier to do when you're older, uh, sorry, when you're younger and not older. So what do I mean by that? Well, you're not always going to have all of your faculties the older we get. You're not always going to have the best judgment. And sometimes these scammers will come along and they'll prey on people that are in their 70s or 80s or 90s. Right? If, if they see a little bit of, I don't know, a little bit of vulnerability, a $5,000 air conditioner all of a sudden will cost $7,000. You know, appliances, oh, the delivery charge is more than the actual appliance. So I just want you to be careful I'd like you to make these decisions when you still are all there with your decision-making process. It's a little rude, I know. I'm sorry, but I want you to, to, to not get taken. That's my, my bottom line. Right? These are important because as you go through this part of your life, living in your same home, refinancing it, maybe even taking some cash out to, do, uh, to put on a new roof, right? Put on a 20-year roof, well, that's probably most of your retirement putting in a backyard with uh, the, the proper flooring, not the wood, but, uh, you know, that Trex stuff that they have. It's almost like compressed plastic. Uh, it's a deck that'll last for 100 years. Those kinds of things. 
put in a solid backyard patio so you can enjoy the outside. All of those things, I want you to do it while you're still uh, working, still have a job. And if you're going to refinance the house to do it, that's a great idea. All right, listen, we're going to come back in just a uh, second. I'm, I'm Mayor of Hallaby. I need this to, I need you to stay with me because I'm going to give you what clients are doing now in droves. This is huge, guys. We're seeing more and more of this, and it's a big, big setup for us. All right, 888-99-RETIRE. We're going to be back in just a second. I'm Mayor of Hallaby on your place for news, talk, and information. 888-997-3847 on your place for news, talk, and information. The total financial hour. On AM 870. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, total financial. Hey there, welcome back to the show. Eric Hallaby, Total Financial Solutions, the TFS Financial Insurance Services Group brings you this show. And we thank him for it because part of this is to understand, uh, look, I want you to, to get out of debt, manage your money, plan for retirement, live through retirement, and be somebody who gets to actually enjoy life. Part of this is most of us in life have some sort of a sacrifice. I, I don't think a healthy, happy, fulfilled life isn't one unless you sacrifice. Because you always judge the value of something by what you had to give up to get it, right? If it took you 10 minutes to work uh, at your job to buy something, well, it's not as valuable, 20 cents, 50 cents, whatever it might be, it's nothing. But if it's taken you a lifetime to save to purchase something, you've exchanged those hours of your life for something. This is important because now at this phase of your life of retirement, You are now exchanging all of those years of working, sacrificing for your family, your children, your your spouse, yourself, your parents, whoever it was that you sacrificed for, and now it's okay to be a little bit selfish. I don't mean being a jerk, right? Let's get that right away, out out of the way. I want you to think about this. I want you to be focused on a couple of things. One of those is it's okay to think about yourself and what you need and what you like or don't like. We see this a lot when husband and wives have been married for 40 years and she maybe is a lot younger, maybe even a lot healthier, and then he passes away. And of course, she mourns and she hates the the time and it takes a a while, sometimes a long, long time to kind of get back on your feet. And then there's a bit of a spring in her step saying, you know, I've sacrificed, I've given, I've provided for, and now it's kind of my time. And we see that a lot. We have... Lots of of widows as clients. You'd be shocked at the average age of a widow, guys. I think it's 54 years old, right? So so don't be surprised in this world where women are going to be alone a lot longer, at least uh, from their first husband, right? That usually they're going to live for quite a while. Uh, I've heard statistics and studies all of these years somewhere in the neighborhood of this. Number one, take the age difference and add 12 years right? You do that, that's how long a lady uh, is going to be alone or without her spouse. So if there's a four-year difference plus 12 years, eh, 16 years. So here's what I want you to do is I need you to sit around and, and, and tell yourself, how do I plan 
for this next phase. Because even as a husband, even though I've been married 28 years, for me, it's still about making sure that my wife and I, because statistically, right, I probably will go first. There's only about a year and a half difference between us. Part of the challenge here, right, is is to make sure that as I, I leave this earth, ah, I want to leave it in a better place. I want to make sure I take care of my family. I want to take care of the things and people that I'm that I care most about. But if I make it to retirement, right, in, in 15 years or so, then maybe something like a Dell Web or a trilogy type community is the right place for me, right? And, and here's what I mean by that. You need to know that these organizations are generally trying to be a one-size-fits-all, right? Being in the right place at the right time is being everywhere all the time. That's the story when it comes to trying to build housing options for seniors. So when you have these communities, these 55-plus communities, think of it like this. There are massive amounts, right, massive amounts of people who are 55 and 60 and 65 and 70 who are playing tennis every day, every other day, golfing every day, every other day, pickleball, right, horseshoes. I mean, I don't know. People are just busy. They're active. They have meetings and clubs. We have clients that are recently retired and she said, Arif, I don't know how I, how I ever cleaned my house before, how I ever got busy, did stuff before, because I'm so busy now. And their social calendars full. They meet couples with similar interests. They travel. And here was a couple that came to us and said, Arif, I expect to retire in three or four years. And I think we did it in 18 months. Uh, better than they expected. In fact, they didn't even expect to be able to buy this house in, in one of those communities I mentioned. And they were able to do so. So it's an amazing opportunity when you have somebody who's a, an expert or just an outside set of ears or a professional or somebody on the other side who could say, you know, I've done this many times before. Let me walk you through this. So one of the options, people downsize into a senior or 55-year-plus community. And I want to go over those with you because here's what matters. Two things that I think are pretty important. Number one, it's not always as good as they make it sound. Nothing is, right? They're selling something. They're trying to sell a home. They're trying to sell a community concept, an idea, right? So let's go over some of the things that these active adult communities may not necessarily tell you. I'm going to give you the pros and cons, my client experiences and ours, and see if it's right for you. Okay, number one, the developer owns all of the amenities, right? They own the clubs, the spas, the restaurants, and they can make changes, you might love the way the, the tennis courts are set up. They're making changes. You might love playing tennis and they're changing half of them into pickleball. All right. You have to deal with it. It, it, it isn't your choice. It isn't even if you sit on the, the board of directors or the advisory board or the community advisory board. Those are all mildly interesting. At the end of the day, the developer still owns everything. They will ask certain questions. They will seek input. But... It's still fee-driven, right? They charge fees for it. There can be special assessments. There's an HOA association, all right? So we'll get to that in a minute. But just realize that that isn't controlled by you, and you don't get to opt out of it. Because number two, these are land lease programs, and these communities usually have yearly increases. And believe it or not, they never go backwards. <laughs> they never say, hey, you know what? We've done really well. We've invested well. Hey, our expenses aren't as bad as we thought. We're going to cut back. Nope, they don't do that. 
expect a little bit of an increase each and every year, three, four, five percent. It's not going to be something that is small dollar wise, right? These are real dollars, 20, 30, 40, maybe $500 a year, $300 a year. The increases can be substantial. So just prepare for it, plan for it. If you're okay with it, if you think the amenities, what it would cost to join a country club or what it would cost to, to golf, the discounts are substantial. You're okay with that. At the end, you might say, listen, the discounts at the restaurant, the convenience of walking down the way and going where I need to go is worth it, right? Here's something that I don't care where you are in your life, whether it's in your 40s or 50s or 60s preparing to buy a vacation home or semi-retirement home, or you're ready to retire or not, always do your research on the HOA, the Homeowners Association. Always. See what kind of lawsuits they've had recently. See what kind of lawsuits they have pending. Ask them for a, a spreadsheet, what's called a balance sheet. What does that mean? What do you owe and how much do you own? Right. So let's take a look at your balance sheet. Is this a lucrative? Because an HOA is a business. And you are buying into this business. If you're going to buy a condo or a home in a homeowners association, you are now a business partner with that homeowners association. You are a minority shareholder. Don't give your money to a homeowners association if it is mismanaged, if they have multiple lawsuits, if you have that retired professor or attorney that's sitting on the board who does nothing but they're a pain in the tush to everybody. Get your trash cans in. Stop doing this. Like, dude, really go get a life. But it may be, it may be that you like that, but understand you need to know this beforehand because usually organizations like that will attract people if they, if they're not run properly. And you guys know who I'm talking about. If you've ever been part of an HOA and I have, you know that it's that one person who has very little, uh, areas of their life in which they feel powerful. And valuable. Some of them might be you. You're listening. You're like, oh, that's not me. That's my neighbor. That's my that's my my buddy Joe, Bill, Steve. That's him. No, it's probably you. So back off just a little bit, guys, and ask yourself: Listen, do I want to be part of an HOA with so much drama going on? Am I interested in being part of this homeowners association where, uh, you know, people are complaining about the flowers being of a different color? Come on, take a deep breath, guys. You're still on this planet. God is still giving you Earth. It's a great thing. So check out. Go to a couple of meetings ahead of time. See what the problems are. See who the loudmouths are in, in the HOA meetings uh, because they can cost you a lot of money. If the board of directors, they're indemnified, which means a lot of them, they, are, they carry insurance. So if they make a mistake or if they do something even wrong, the homeowners association has to pay that person's legal fees. And if the HOA does something illegal, and loses in court from one of the members suing it, happens all the time, then the homeowners association has to pay that person. Well, that means the rest of you have to pay that person because they will raise your rates. So you need to see how smoothly it's run, who the big mouths are in the group. All right? I can't tell you how important that is because we've had clients where they have just been so disappointed, okay? So know what it is. If they're run properly, if they're run professionally, if they have a good and honest uh, profit and loss statement and a good and honest uh, balance sheet, then man, go for it. Enjoy your life. And look, stay out of the problems. Do your thing. Stay out of the drama. Because this is retirement, right?
Okay, here's another one. If you have a pet, whether it's a cat or a dog uh, or other types of pets, sometimes the homeowners associations involved in these Senior Plus, the Trilogy, the Dell Web Associations, sometimes they are a bit more restrictive on your pets. It could only be a dog of this size. You can only have one or two or you know, two little ones or one big one. Sometimes it says it can't be outside for more than these hours. There can be a little bit restrictive. Take a look at parking rules. You know, what are their problems with parking? You can't park on the street uh, more than this many hours or past this time of day. Washing your car out in the front, etc. So your lifestyle has to be conducive to what the rules are in the HOA. You are allowed to ask ahead of time for the CCNRs. Covenants, something, and restrictions. I don't remember what it is. CCNRs. That's what we call them. All right? Conditions. I think covenants, conditions, and whatever it is. All right. So this is important because the rules need to fit your preferences and your situation. Here's another one that I think is pretty important. You can buy a resale often at a bigger discount than what a brand new home from the developer costs. But they're very restrictive on how they can advertise those homes. Meaning, the developer doesn't want you putting up a sign for a home that's eight months or two years old next to a sign that he or she has that is a brand new home because the cost savings can be substantial. So you have to ask, if I want to sell it, what can I do? Can I just use a a traditional broker, just go out and sell it, put it on the market? If the answer is yes, okay, well, now you know it might be more conducive to someday you having to sell it or wanting to move on or to transition. All right, these are important parts because the flexibility is that it's still your house. You're the one writing checks. Because there could be a lot of turnover, and if there is, that would be another question to ask. How many sold houses have there been in the last, whatever, pick a number, five years? So you can see what the turnover is. Because if a lot of people are coming and going, coming and going, there may, may be an underlying problem where people that can afford to sell at a loss are just getting out. And maybe the people there are either the ones that are part of the problem, don't care about the problem, or can't afford to leave uh, the community. All right, so that's a big and important issue. As a senior, you might transition into a new, brand new development. Well, the way it operates, the Homeowners Association, which is literally like its own corporation, its own company, is set up. And as a company or as a corporation, it's set up And the ownership is run by the developer. But there's a point in time, maybe half of the houses are sold or whatever. There's a number. Once they are sold, there's a transition where the homeowners association leaves the day-to-day operations of the builder and becomes a transition into the individuals. Me, you, the other homeowners, all of us get together. Now, understand, though, the builder and the developer, they kind of keep a seat on the board. And maybe for a little while, they may even have veto power. So they'll say, well, you know, that's a nice idea, but we're not going to do that. You're like, then why did you even ask? I'm here. All right. So the developer's role in the future, you need to ask, what is it? Will you have veto power for how long until what percentage of the homes are sold? So if the transition has not yet been made, you need to ask those questions. Okay. Okay. What about this? To get the features you want, on a base home, it might cost you more than you think. 
So just like you would do any other thing, go in and negotiate. The home that we saw with a friend of ours, uh, one of our clients that moved into one of these homes, it is amazing. Beautiful. I mean, you and I, I couldn't believe it. The quality of construction, the thought process of where to put everything from, from the plugs in the wall to the height of the, uh, the counters and the bathrooms, uh, thinking in mind of seniors, everything, the way it was laid out, maybe to eventually having a wheelchair in the house, the things were, were laid out in such a way so you could get around and navigate the doors, the door jams, the, everything was, was beautifully thought out. But if you want higher-end flooring, if you want better appliances or different features, well, you're going to have to pay more than what they're advertising. So shop, all right? Be prepared. Be a careful shopper and ask for a deal. They always want you to buy it more than you want to sell it because money is in whoever makes the decision, right? They will sell it to you tomorrow. You have to make the decision to buy it. So you hold a lot more of the power. Don't forget. Okay, what about this one here? This is important. When I tell you about going in and checking out the Homeowners Association, and remember, this is if you're going to buy a condo in Mammoth, you're going to buy a, a, a ski house or lodge in Park City, Utah, I don't care. Wherever you are going to be, always, and there's an HOA, always check the HOA numbers. What is their reserve fund? How much do they think they, they have to have? How much do they have? When was the last time they fixed the, the big things, the plumbing the uh, the new roof on the on the buildings painted. How often do they have to paint? What does it cost to paint? Because the special assessment and what that means is, hey, everybody's paying three hundred a month, three hundred a month, three hundred a month, and we now need five thousand dollars by the end of the year from everybody. And if you can't afford it, well, we're going to start foreclosure proceedings, or we're going to sue you for it, or you have to make payments plus interest, etc. So we need to see where their problems are, and the Homeowners Association is important because if it's stuff that wears out, like it always does, the roads, the golf courses, the swimming pools, etc., if those things wear out and you don't even use them, right? you might say, hey, I never even golf. I don't, I don't care about the tennis courts. I don't golf. And now they're going to charge you $5,000 to resurface all of the tennis courts. It kind of hurts. It stinks, right? You think of it as a, that's a, it's a yucky idea. Why do I have to do that? So need to ask yourself, are they building in budgeting each and every process, uh, each and every payment? Are they setting up a process to pull a certain amount of dollars into the reserve fund? All right. If they run well, then fantastic. And then take a look. Is there a history of unexpected assessments? Because if you've been on a board before or it's set up by a builder or developer, and there are often professional management association that, that, uh, that, that manage these things. And it's very important because this is what they do. And you say, okay, how much do I pay every single month? And if every once in a while there's, quote, this unexpected assessment, you're like, why is it every 18 months we have a problem? <laughs> Can't we figure this out? It's like when at the beginning of my practice, we worked with a lot of folks that were young and, and coming up. And they said, Eric, you know, I'm going to have to pull money from my retirement account. I said, why? So, well, we have property taxes due. I said, well, but you knew that was going to happen, right? Property taxes are the same every single year. We know when they're going to come. We know what the dollar figure is going to be or pretty darn close. Listen, you know what the property ta- t- 
taxes are going to be, assessments, you know what those issues are going to be. If you have a history of, eh, maybe sort of, there's more money coming due or we need to, eh, maybe be careful, all right? I had mentioned this earlier, but I really want to deep it a, a little bit more into this and give you some tips on how to get through it. If the board is dysfunctional, you will know it by going to recent board meetings and then also looking at past board minutes. First of all, are they taking good notes, right? That's what the minutes of a meeting are. Uh, there, who said what, when, what issues, what concerns. Review them. You're going to be marrying these, this group of people. You're going to be marrying into their family at the very least. So make sure you know who they are. Talk with residents, walk around, get a feel how they feel about how the board works. You know, make sure the elections are done properly. Make sure they're following Robert's rules. Right? There's certain rules. Call to order. Recognize people. Motions are done in a particular way. And decide if that is an organization or if this is an organization you want to be a part of. Because one of the whole, uh, one, of, one of these things that I want you to focus on is less of a problem in retirement, not more. You didn't leave one boss to go to another, right? You didn't leave one boss in your job and you're like, whew, I'm out of here. And then you get there and somebody's, uh, you know, w- looking over your shoulder every time you try to do something and they ask you about the pile of dirt on the side of your house. Like, it's been there for 10 minutes. Give me a minute. Or I hurt my back yesterday. I'll move the trash cans in this morning, right? If people start getting all worked up over things. I, listen, I understand that. Because nobody wants to look at trash cans for three days. I get it. But I also realize, you know, America is a freedom thing, right? I have to listen to your dog bark. You have to smell my cooking. You know, sometimes I'm going to have to park in front of your house. Sometimes there's a trash can that's left out for a day or two. If you don't like any of those things, then you know what? You go buy 20 acres and live in the mountains where you don't have any neighbors you don't have to learn to negotiate. You don't have to learn to be to compromise. You can just be a, a one of those, you know, misers, uh, hermits. That's what it is. Go do that, or, or you just be part of a community, and you learn because the the engine that drives all of this, the peace of mind, the engine that drives this, is reliable retirement income, guys. It's knowing that on the first of every month, the tenth of every month, whatever you want it to be, a check is coming in, and then when you saw it, decide, forget it. I don't want to do that anymore. You take all your money out. Listen, there's some advertisements that run around out there. Oh, annuities have hidden fees. Not true. Oh, annuities have fees. Not true. I I mean, listen, I can tell you in a different way. I don't know, billboard or something or or skywriting. People didn't like the fees they were paying. All of the annuities that we work with have zero fees. Now, listen, there's two other catches, though. That's right. Not one, two. Number one, there's a cap. You're not going to make more than 10 or 12% a year. Zero to 10, zero to 12. Okay. You have to be okay with that. The average we found is between three and six. So over time, five to 10 years, we seem to see three to six per year of an average rate of return. All right. So three to six. Nice. Some years two, some years five, some years zero, some years 10. But the average is three to six. That's catch number one. Catch number two, there is a time component. What that means is this. Just like a CD or a cell phone contract, right? How do they afford to give you a, a cell phone that's a $1,000 cell phone for $46 a month? Because if you cancel early, you will pay a fee. So with us, it's the same thing. But every year, you're allowed to pull out 10% without a penalty or a fee. Some of them even let you pull it out the first year. 
that needs to make a difference in your life because if you're going to pull out more than 10%, then it really isn't for retirement income. It's just for chunks and, uh, of, of living. And there's nothing wrong with that. But just don't put money that's not designed for retirement in a place that is designed for retirement. Right? If you're going to buy an RV next year and you need $100,000, you don't put that with any of the accounts that I have. You don't get a five-year CD and you put $100,000 in a five-year CD so that next year you know you're going to take it out and then you're going to pay a penalty. Right? It wouldn't make sense. You would sit around and say, how am I going to break this down? Well, you're not, really. I mean, let's think about it. I don't want you paying any fees. I don't want you losing your money when the market goes backwards. I mean, you realize that if this is your retirement income and the market goes backwards, your brokers never lose. You know, their job is to say, oh, stay in. You're in it for the long haul. Well, no, don't worry. The market's always going to come back. And if you need the money to live on, if you take money out next month to live on, you now have to sell at a discount. In other words, you just lost money. Having some or part of your money in a safe place, using the rule of 100, you take your age minus 100. That's the amount of risk you have. Your age, that's the safety percentage. And that's what we're here for. If I can help you guys, it'd be my pleasure. 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. If you have a more private question, you can give me a call anytime during the week. We'll set up a time. And if I can help you, it'd be my pleasure. 888-99-RETIRE. I'm Eric Hallaby. This is the Total Financial Hour on AM870, The Answer. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial 